Hello, this is Coming to the Mat, podcast from the Melanesian Women Today Impact Service Series. Told through the lens of everyday, ordinary Pacific Island women, the Mat series seeks to break cultural barriers and invite listeners to hear real human stories of making a difference. The stories you will hear from the series balance diverse interests and weave together the story of courageous women who dedicate their lives to making a difference in their communities and country. Coming to the Mat series is a safe space that allows for women in the Pacific to use their voices. It also explores the integral aspects of women's lives all across the South Pacific and gives the listener a window into the many different issues women face through storytelling. Welcome to Coming to the Mat podcast, where we celebrate the stories, history, and perspectives of remarkable Pacific Island women. Each episode is an opportunity to explore new topics that highlight the rich cultural heritage of Pacific Island nations, from culture and traditions to health and wellness, economy and business, and more. So join me, Dr. Merita Risovic, as we embark on a journey of discovery and inspiration. In today's show, we delve into the significant topic of repatriation, specifically the repatriation of human remains from Oceania or the Pacific region that were stored in German collections. The repatriation effort is part of Germany's acknowledgement of its colonial past and its commitment to confront this history. Our guest today is Dr. Teresi Fuindilo, who is a Fijian archaeologist and a postdoctoral fellow at the University of Gottingen in Germany. Dr. Teresi is well versed in the field of archaeology and has a passion for sharing her knowledge about the histories of places, artifacts, and indigenous peoples. During her four-month fellowship at Gottingen, Dr. Teresi is working to develop a comprehensive research agenda on the repatriation of more than 1,000 human remains from Oceania, with 900 of those coming from Papua New Guinea. So in this episode, we will explore Dr. Teresa's work on repatriation, the significance of preserving cultural or Pacific indigenous cultural heritage, and her experiences as a researcher from the Pacific. So join me as we delve into this enlightening conversation and discover the importance of connecting with societies of origin in the region so that human remains can be returned to their rightful homes. So sit back, relax, and let's explore this topic of discovery and inspiration together.
Welcome to coming to the mat, Dr. Teresi. It's so good to have you on. Thank you for the invitation. So our first uh, question I will um, ask you is, can you describe your role in the research project on human remains from colonial context while you were at the University of Gottenham? Yes, thank you very much. Uh, yeah, it was um, a wonderful experience, you know, to be uh, um, in Germany um, researching the uh, oceanic uh, collections um, of human remains. Um, it is uh, a project that uh, I think will um, continue to, you know, roll in the years to come. And uh, I've also found that this project is uh, uh, an opportunity for, you know, younger generations, you know, those who are from Oceania to also participate, um, to do research uh, in their respective collections, uh, particularly for countries that uh, um, were represented in the 1,000, more than 1,000 um, human remains that were collected, uh, you know, uh, in the 1800s and taken over to Germany. Now, the uh, actual um, uh, 1,000, uh, between 1,300 to 1,500 um, human remains uh, were, um, you know, traded and also uh, collected in areas that were German colonies, uh, but also non-German colonies. So when I mean, uh, when I say German colonies, uh, it's a reminder for us that there are um, island nations in the Pacific that were colonized by the Germans uh, in the 1800s, and that would include Samoa, uh, Papua New Guinea, um, and also the many of the islands in the northern part of Oceania, uh, starting from Palau, um, including the Federated States of Micronesia, which was called the Caroline Islands back in the day, uh, and also the islands of Nauru, Kiribati, and um, the Marshall Islands. And so um, the, the extent of the collections was quite vast. Um, and uh, we were very fortunate that the University of Göttingen in Germany were able to invite fellows from Oceania and Africa. So the fellows that came from Oceania were from New Zealand, um, were from um, Papua New Guinea, Samoa, um, and um, um, Papua New Guinea, Samoa, New Zealand, and Palau. So if you notice in those uh, list of countries, the island of, New uh, well, the nation of New Zealand is not a German colony, but the Germans traded with human remains from New Zealand. So there was some um, travel over to New Zealand by the Germans, and they were also trading mm -hmm. off human remains uh, that were from New Zealand back in Germany. Um, so when I say human remains, uh, most of the human remains found in Germany were mainly skulls, um, and they were taken uh, because it was um, research back in the day. Um, it, it was very popular in the 1800s that the white European people uh, were curious um, to classify and group, uh, you know, culture that were not and so that's how the and how and why 
uh, human remains from our part of the world were collected purely for that purpose, purely for research uh, and purely for them to, you know, categorize us into categories. I'm sure many of us have heard uh, groups such as, you know, um, Caucasoid and Mongoloid and Negroids, um, just to name a few. Uh, there were also some groups that were called, you know, Papuans. So all those kind of categories were put together by anthropologists. And that is kind of like a, a very brief background as to, uh, you know, what my work was um, in Germany uh, was to lead the research in Oceania of all those nations that were represented, uh, but also for us to look into possibility of restitution. So we're looking at having these uh, human remains that were collected from the Pacific to return back home. Wow, that's very, um, you know, it's such a large, broad um, project and research. Mm -hmm. So during the time, how was your like area of expertise as an indigenous archaeologist was from Fiji informed that repatriation of artifacts and human remains from the Pacific uh, communities, mm -hmm. uh, you know, um, because you were leading this, how was how did you mm -hmm. find that your expertise in that area was able to inform the Pacific communities in a way that it's you know appropriate for us as Pacific Island community and also and vice versa like um, as you were working with with the other mm -hmm. um, people as well in the team. Mm. Yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, part of my role is to be the um, the bridge uh, or the connector between uh, the collections in Germany and the island nations themselves. So before uh, I actually flew over to Germany uh, for about a year before that, um, I conducted various meetings um, online using Zoom. Mm -hmm. um, in actual fact, I was supposed to fly over to these nations, to these countries, and meet with the museum representatives and, and uh, community leaders. Unfortunately, because of COVID-19, um, I wasn't able to do so, and so is my team uh, in Germany. So we ended up using technology to our advantage. And so we um, organized about uh, 14 14 or 16 meetings, separate meetings for each nation that uh, uh, we knew that were represented in the University of Göttingen in Germany. Um, and part of that meeting was to talk to museum directors, museum curators, uh, those who work in the museum sector. Um, the reason why we chose them first is that they understood what repatriation was all about. They also understood the background of why these human remains were collected. Um, so that was um, the initial part of the project. The next phase is for the travel over to Germany. And now that I'm back, now we will go to the third phase where um, we will be doing workshops in these regions by informing these communities as to what was happening uh, in in um, on the ground there in Germany. So we're very excited that in the next couple of months, there will be workshops uh, organized in um, Palau, uh, by McMichael Mutok, uh, the fellow from Palau. Uh, he will be taking the lead, but he will invite CMs and the communities in Micronesia to be part of the workshop so that they are informed of uh, you know, what we found in there. That's a very important part of my role is to create that connection 
you know, between the institution and the community so that we don't have to uh, allow um, our people to question, you know, what, what were the uh, bones there doing there? Um, what will happen? Will they return? How will they return? Uh, who will pack them? Who will bring them? So all those kind of questions was part of my job. Um, you know, it's more to inform eh, both parties, the Germans, mm -hmm. as well as those in our part of the world. Um, the second workshop that we're hoping to run will be uh, led by Terekike Herewini from uh, New Zealand. Mm -hmm. So he will lead the workshops for uh, Polynesia. So it'll be led by New Zealand. And then we will invite uh, museums and communities, you know, in the Polynesian uh, region. The third workshop, um, I will lead it, and we hope to run the workshop in Papua New Guinea, where I will take the lead and invite museums and uh, community leaders from Papua New Guinea, Solomon Islands, Vanuatu, uh, New Caledonia, and Fiji. Mm -hmm. um, so basically, you can hear in that uh, explanation, uh, Dr. Mary, that that's kind of uh, part of my role is to negotiate those spaces and uh, inform uh, people in the Pacific, but also provide cultural uh, protocol advice to our team in Germany so that mm. they are informed on how to deal with human remains in the correct manner. Um, and so we were uh, very fortunate, Dr. Mary, that we had Tehri uh, Kiki uh, Harawini from uh, New Zealand who was a fellow uh, in the project, he had close to 20 years of uh, work in repatriation and he is the head of the repatriation department in Aotearoa. So mm. we were very fortunate that him being there um, complemented my work and made it so much easier that we can talk amongst ourselves and look at solutions on how we can uh, prepare the human remains to be returned back home. Mm -hmm. But also at the same time, he was sharing with us his experience of dealing with human remains, you know, 14, 15 years ago uh, mm -hmm. on how they negotiate between museums and the communities. So, yeah, so my role is kind of multifaceted in a way um, where it involves community outreach. Uh, it involves, you know, talking to our Germany team um, and giving advice appropriately. Mm -hmm. Um, off a little bit on um, subtopic uh, question. So when when you talk about involving, you know, um, um, talking to the community, what does that look like? F give an example for Fiji. So if you were mm. to, yeah, so so that our people can kind of understand a little bit, like, um, how do you go in? What are the protocols, and what is it that the, you ha you have to do before? the repatriations mm. of the artifacts come in. Mm, thank you. Um, a very good example is uh, in the case of Fiji, uh, we have a uh, um, skull mm. um, at the uh, Smithsonian Museum in uh, Washington, D.C., in the USA, that belonged to um, the, the Rokotun Raketi, who was mm. a paramount chief of the Burmbasanga Confederacy. Uh, his name was Robin Dovi. So he left Fiji alive, unfortunately, because he was not vaccinated. Um, he contracted um, the, I think it was measles, uh, and uh, um, and he died mm. uh, before reaching New York. Um, and so his body was taken in uh, by the medical team in New York, uh, and then his body was divided 
uh, into different parts based on the same notion that um, took place in Germany. You know, people are interested to find out about people by studying their bones and uh, other human remains. So his skull apparently um, was, uh, you know, was cut off from his main body mm -hmm. and ended up in Washington, D.C. So now his skull is there. So the process we have to do was to contact the family in Fiji. So mm. in the case of Terikike, uh, that's what he does as well with uh, the tribes in New Zealand. So when he knows that there are uh, human remains from certain tribes in Aotearoa, we contact the, the tribal leaders mm. of that region and advise them that mm. these are some human remains that we have overseas and we want to bring them over. And so the, the community leaders, you know, whether mm. they are chiefs, in this case of Fiji, um, we inform the family of the of Robin Dovi, and then they will decide on what to do. Um, so in terms of cultural protocol, then they will let us know, will they apply um, the funeral protocol of a chief, uh, which is quite a uh, you know, heavy duty type of protocol. Um, you know, when it comes to uh, the death uh, of a paramount chief, it's a lot of preparation, uh, you know, of, uh, mats um, and whale's tooth and informing of the relatives uh, not only in the province of Rewa but it will involve the whole confederacy so talking to different um, members of the community uh, has different layers yeah so we have the the paramount chief and his family and then you have the spokesman or the matinivanua and then you have different layers of other people that will be involved in the decision making um and so it'll take a long time uh, but um the sharing of the information uh, has to be done in the correct manner mm -hmm. so they will be the Yangon ceremony mm -hmm. uh, that will be uh, done uh, in order to inform um, the families and so even though um, human remains that we have now are just in this case with Robin Dobie it's just a skull mm. uh, and not the rest of his body apply um, the same protocol to someone who passed away um, you know with their full body intact but also um, we give the right protocol to like a death of a chiefly person so um, that's just to give an example, yeah, of mm. what uh, happens behind the scenes. So a lot of communications uh, and also the cultural protocol of uh, Angona and um, Tambua Wellstooth is applied. Mm. So now we're going to dive in a little bit from the research aspect of this. So um, explain the anthropographic and sociocultural research aspect of the project and its examination uh, assumptions and research practices related to those human remains so that uh, maybe mm -hmm. those who are interested to you know if those who are interested in studying what you're studying and understanding with this kind of work from a, a research standpoint mm -hmm. yes um, so when we were doing provenance research in Germany uh, we work uh, alongside the um, information that were already gathered uh, mm -hmm. in relation to these human remains. So a lot of them, when we open up the boxes, um, some of them have little labels on them. 
Um, and so the labels will say uh, this um, skull is from uh, Papua New Guinea mm. or this skull is from Kiribati and it has some information as to who collected them, mm. uh, where was it collected uh, and when uh, was it collected. Um, some other human remains don't have uh, much clear uh, information and so that's why we had to do more in-depth research okay. uh, in order to kind of be clear mm -hmm. as to what circumstances was involved mm -hmm. in terms of the taking of the human remain now for those little cards um, that were in the boxes that becomes the source of information for us so one of the things we try and do is to find out who was the collector Mm -hmm. um, in most cases, uh, we found that a lot of the uh, collectors were medical doctors, um, some other collectors were traders, um, and some other collectors were those who work in the colonial government. And these are the people that have access, uh, you know, to this human remains. So they would know uh, the grave of the person, maybe it was in a cave somewhere, uh, maybe it was in a proper burial and it was excavated for that particular reason, or in some cases, they were graves that were exposed you know mm -hmm. to the elements and so um, it was easy to retrieve um, the skull uh, mm -hmm. from a grave or from a cave um, and also there were some instances where some of the the skull were actually traded openly mm -hmm. by those who are from that particular culture because they knew already that, you know, the Europeans at that time were interested in this human uh, remain trade uh, that was taking place at that, you know, back in the day. So some situations differ, you know, mm -hmm. from country to country. Um, there were some parts of the body that were more popular than others. For example, the tattooed heads from New Zealand, yeah. uh, because there was some uh, human uh, skull that was just plain skull. You know, mm -hmm. and then there were others that were tattooed, um, and those ones that were tattooed was like in high demand, mm -hmm. um, and it was also traded uh, with a lot of money exchanged. Mm -hmm. So again, um, for those of you who are listening in, who are interested in research and reading and making connection, if you are a very curious person, mm -hmm. uh, this might be a project for you. Yeah. Uh, it's basically doing some investigation. You become like an investigator, mm -hmm. um, you know, trying to work from whatever information you have and you make your way backwards, mm -hmm. you know, find out who is, uh, who is the collector mm -hmm. and which place this was collected from. Because sometimes it makes sense mm -hmm. when you're looking at a name and you're looking, oh, this was a medical doctor that was on the island of Eromango. Um, and he was there for a number of years. So um, that's when people start to connect the dots. And so those were some of the, uh, the examples that uh, uh, took place back in the day. Um, in the case of New Zealand, that's exactly how uh, one example was like that in the case of Terry uh, Kiki Heroini, when he was doing research for New Zealand, that's exactly what he did. He worked with a card and the card had the information um, mm. Um, and there were some other situations where you don't know. In yeah. the case of New Zealand, there was, um, Terikike has to work on the cursive, the handwriting. Mm. Um, and then he was like, oh yeah, that handwriting similar is similar to so-and-so. Um. So he has to divert his, his research and follow the track right. of that particular person. And mm. that's how he found out, oh yeah. Yeah, that's right. He was um, in, in the North Island at this time and ended up trading uh, the, the human remains back to um, 
uh, Norway, and then from mm. Norway, it ended up in Germany. So wow. persistence, you know, mm. and a lot of yeah. patience as well. So were were there notes in Germany? Or, I mean, in sorry, were there notes in German, um, or is it in English? Or do, do you have a, someone who can able to translate the notes for you guys? Mm. Uh, yes, we had uh, a group of uh, uh, project members who uh, were there to help us. So we really acknowledge uh, the work of Sophia. She was our research assistant who helped us so much. And then we also have uh, Dr. Holger um, Stoweka, uh, who accompanied um, our team to um, Hamburg, because most of the research we have connected the city of Hamburg uh, and the museum there, um, because some of the human remains that were collected were in Hamburg. And then in the early 1900s, they were moved to the University of Göttingen. Um, so that's kind of like uh, why we were going back to Hamburg uh, a lot, because if we do not find information in Göttingen, then we just catch the train uh, over to go to Hamburg. And uh, Sophia and uh, Dr. Holger were very, very helpful in translating the files for us from German to English. So so did the university, a side question again, did the university reach out to you um, what was their purpose? Like, what was their total objective for, for them reaching out to you to do this? Um, it was merely to um, do research and uh, repatriate the human remains. They believe that the uh, human remains should not be in Germany. They should be where they're supposed to be uh, in the Pacific. So as a Pacific Islander, have you faced any challenges in your role as a researcher in this project and how did you overcome them? And I'm assuming more like the emotional, you know, impact of that and understanding what those human remains must have meant or mean still to us as Pacific Island people. How, how, how did, was there any mm -hmm. challenges that you, you were able to, uh, you, you know, were in, you encountered and um, the positive or negative, mm -hmm. how did it have overall impact on you? As a... mm. Yeah. Um, I think um, the emotional, um, um, trauma, um, you know, that is connected to the collection is, is inevitable. Uh, you know, when I look at this, um, you know, human remains, you know, I, we, not only me, uh, you know, my team, uh, you know, we get very emotional about it because we feel that, you know, they are away from home and they should not be there in the first place. So we were very fortunate in the beginning of the project where we conducted um, a ceremony uh, to, um, you know, provide um, some clear guidance and, uh, you know, provide a space that is, um, you know, there to clear the path, uh, so to speak, you know, in front of us. And uh, I was very glad that uh, um, I participated in the ceremony. So uh, our representative from New Zealand, Derek K. Harawini, uh, requested that I participate with him um, to do a, a cleansing ceremony, um, even though it was very focused on the Aotearoa collection. Um, but I feel that um, it was a ceremony that was um, 
you know, that's how that brought all of us together. We had fellows from Africa as well in the team, uh, representatives from uh, Tanzania and also Cameroon who were there as well. Um, so those kind of, when it applied uh, in this case, um, in the project in Gertinen, it was um, very inclusive and uh, provide us uh, with an opportunity to reconnect with the past. Uh, but also it provided a clear, you know, emotional um, guidance for us, you know, that we were not there alone. We were there as a team. Um, and so I really want to acknowledge Terry K.K. Herimini for um, conducting and leading the ceremony for us. Um, and that to me was a stepping stone of healing. Um, you know, not only for us, the fellows, but also our colleagues from Germany were also um, relieved, you know, in a lot of ways, you know, that um, that ceremony was able to um, peace, you know, and serenity to this huge project in front of us. You know, it's not an easy project because you're dealing with more than a thousand humans that are not supposed to be in Germany in the first place, you know? And so um, having individuals like Tehere Kiekie, um, you know, provides that level of understanding and cultural, um, you know, um, ways of reconnecting yeah. uh, amongst ourselves as researchers mm. today, but also make us value, mm. you know, the work that we do. So I just want to share that, that, uh, you know, even though it was a challenge in the beginning, you know, in my mind, I was thinking, wow, this is a lot of work, you know, and there are more than a thousand artifacts and human remains that we have to deal with. But then these types of situation uh, enabled us um, to um, enjoy what we were doing. Yeah, I can imagine, you know, having all of you there. And even though we are Pacific Islanders, we still have different, you know, cultural understanding, respect mm -hmm. of death, life, mm -hmm. and all of that. Um, mm -hmm. That That is a heavy, heavy thing to carry. Mm -hmm. uh, because not only do you feel responsibility, that heavy responsibility, mm -hmm. but... Um, it's almost like going, returning to the past and bringing forth ancestors to mm. to the front. But how do you do that in a in a way that is respectful for the human humanity, but at mm. the same time looking at it from the cultural lens, mm. and 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 being able to acknowledge that with such deep, heavy, you know, mm. just just a feeling and 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 so such a mix of everything that you can. Mm. And so having that ceremony is actually mm -hmm. such a wonderful thing. Yeah, it really, mm -hmm. it really is. So I, I know you've touched on the understanding of why were the, the Germans interested in, in in taking this. Can you elaborate on that? Like for for those who might not, maybe there's some other, you know, not just for research, but maybe elaborate that in a little bit. Why were the human remains from the Pacific Islands taken? Uh, a long time ago um, by the Germans. Um, I know you talked about on the research part, but were you able to find uh, other mm -hmm. stories? Because each one of those, I'm sure human remains had a story to it. Like even for those in um, Kenya and Cameroon, like you, you, you're talking about, were there more than the, just research? The reasons mm -hmm. why they would take the human remains? 
Mm. Yeah, I think it uh, goes back to the notion of uh, what we today call the racist science. Mm -hmm. So when I say racist science, it's, uh, you know, that um, level of research that they were doing to categorize people, mm. uh, categorize people in mm. groups, um, you know, like those who are Caucasian and those mm. who are uh, Negroids and those mm. who are Caucasoids and, you know, um, Papuan. So mm. back in the 1800s, that was uh, a common um, research done by a lot of uh, uh, museums and universities internationally who are mostly non-Indigenous. Uh, they were interested in finding out where are these people from and how can we categorize them? How can we oh. uh, put them into groups, you know, to measure the intelligence? Mm. You know, are they are they savages? Are they cannibals? You know, mm. all this kind of notion that was uh, very common back in the day. And also that kind of racial superiority of Europeans, right. Right. Um, right. you know, that they believe that they were mm. the superior so race yes. Um, yes. and everyone else who are not white mm. uh, or not of European background, then they are inferior. Mm. So that's kind of that whole notion of uh, the purposes of many uh, researchers uh, taking these human remains for that particular reason. And now uh, with the shift of research uh, purposes, you know, especially those that are called racist science, mm. people are trying to, you know, re like to decolonize right, um, right. collections and uh, other another term that we are using now is to you know indigenize collections by putting the voices of our people um, to be heard and question these things. You know, before it was like we always accept everything that is done to us, but now we are questioning these authorities and telling them why did you take these collections in the first place? Um, now they deserve to go back home. So that was the the whole reason uh, of what was happening back then. So. When you when when you talk about like uh, coining the term Papuans, where does that come from? Like, how does that equate to like how did they how did they figure that that's can be coined in certain terms? Like, how, have they done other research before that they kind of categorize in the same because of they look certain ways or they think certain ways? So now we're called Papuans, and you know different different mm. terms that they give how do how do that how does that happen mm. yeah it goes back to a uh, biological anthropology um so that's a subgroup of anthropology so in in anthropology we have uh two groups uh one is cultural anthropology and the other one is biological anthropology so the biological anthropology look at human remains um and and the people who work in that circle, they categorize them based on the race that was known back then. Um, so the main groups are, you know, what they, what I call, um, you know, where the word ca Caucasian come from, white people, it's like Caucasoids. Um, and some of the, these terminologies were coined, coined by the biological anthropologists themselves. And then you have the Asians, which sometimes they say Mongoloids because of the categories of people in the Mongolia region. Um, and so, um, you know, those kind of terminologies then apply generally to those from Asia. And then you have the subgroups that come under it. And then you have the Negroids. So the Negroids are the black people, comes from the word, you know, Negro. Um, and so it has all the, the groups that come under that. And then as they come closer to the Pacific, 
um, that's when they realized that you know the the dark people who are of uh, you know black skin and all of that within the categories of Melanesia, those with very dark skin that comes from the word melanin, um, they include Papuans because Papua New Guinea uh, or Papua at that time you know uh, was a huge category of uh, you know group of people that look the same you know dark skin um, thick hair you know so. When I give those examples, those were put together by the biological, and most of them have, are dead now. Uh, but it was very common back in the 1800s, some even going back to the 1700s. Um, and even uh, Franz Boas, uh, one of the, uh, who was known the father of uh, uh, anthropology in the United States, uh, he was studying the Inuits. Uh, Eskimos. So it goes back to um, the 1700s. So these were what now we call it racist science, but at that time it was normal science for them, you know, to 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 categorize people that way. And uh, it's never been questioned. And now in 2021, 2022, 2023, we are now looking back and saying that, you know, what they did back at that time was wrong. And uh, I'm happy in a way that the University of Göttingen is uh, um, is uh, open to that, you know, and saying to people, maybe we need to bring the indigenous people from these areas to come and research their own human remains and prepare them to take them back home where they where they belong. And that's what we're doing right now. Mm. So that's that's really good to see, you know, again, you breaching those gaps, you know, you, you're doing uh, the heavy lifting. So how has how, how have the Pacific communities reacted to the discovery that the ancestors' remains were taken and held um, in Germany? Yeah, uh, there's sort of a mixed feelings. Um, there are some uh, countries that we spoke to uh, that were very familiar with the. Uh, with the restitution and repatriation. So in the case of uh, Solomon Islands, Vanuatu, um, uh, Papua New Guinea, um, and this, yeah, and New Caledonia, uh, they were very open um, mm. you know, to the discussion and they were very excited that uh, these uh, human remains are returning home. Uh, in the case of Polynesia, uh, when we spoke to the team in Samoa, one, they were uh, shocked, you know, um, the curiosity that came back for us um, was to us was you know why were they taken in the first place and uh, who are these people uh, how recent they were taken um, so uh, in the case of uh, Samoa you know that was the initial question that came through so right across the Pacific it was um, different reactions different uh, responses but overall um, you know our museums are very open to the idea of repatriation and they have given us uh, um, most of the directors that we spoke to gave us uh, uh, words of support you know that they will support the work we're doing in Germany so when the time comes for um, the human remains from these nations to be returned um, they will be happy to facilitate that for us so that the human remains can be returned home. So um, I think it touched back to that uh, uh, how did this collection, yeah, I think we, we did talk a little bit about that, but maybe just a little bit more elaboration. How did this collection contribute to the racist ideologies like you had mentioned before, um, racist science or 
back then that's that's what was it's known um yeah how has this contributed to that has it kind of opened up the box to for us to you know be open and have those discussions and this genuine discussion um yeah i think in a way uh, this project uh you know, has provided uh, platforms for, uh, you know, more sharing mm-hmm. uh, across uh, the communities, yeah. uh, particularly with museums. I think, uh, you know, the museums that we spoke to, uh, particularly for those who, the directors who are trained in this field, uh, most of the directors have anthropology background, uh, mm-hmm. some have uh, archaeology background mm-hmm. uh, or science background. So when we spoke to them, there was a lot of that understanding you know, that they kind of have an idea of, you know, what was the circumstances surrounding, you know, the taking of the uh, human remains in the first place. So uh, there was not, you know, I don't think we even uh, encountered any anger, um, but they were more sort of looking at what are the solutions, what can we do, you know, to have these human remains brought home. So it was more um, treating these human remains not in a scientific way, but giving it a voice, giving them a voice and, you know, putting um, them into a category of, uh, uh, you know, to humanize them. I think that's yeah. the right way to say yeah. it, uh, even though from a scientific point of view, it, it's just a skull, mm-hmm. you know, they're just bones, but they're not. They It, yeah. well, it belongs to a person. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's kind of how I feel that this project has uh, provided a voice um, to this collection so that we can actually talk about it and collectively uh, look mm-hmm. for solutions across the region. So are there any concerns about the message used to return this remains in their communities of origin? Um, I think the the main the main concern is, you know, um, Know, identifying um, which part they were brought out from in the first place, which is part of the provenance research that we're doing. Uh, we want to be sure, you mm-hmm. know, exactly which part, um, say if they are from uh, um, Palau, you know, which island uh, was it brought from and who are the current tribes that are there right now yeah. uh, and how ready are they in terms of, uh, you know, uh, receiving uh, this human remains. So that's a kind of a big challenge we have at the moment. Uh, but I'm, I have so much faith in uh, our fellows from Papua New Guinea, uh, from Palau, from Samoa, um, and from Aotearoa, you know, that they will do a, a really good job um, to reconnect them back home. So initially, you know, that was a huge concern. But I think when we work together, uh, we all share the solutions and make the connections together. Hmm. Yeah. And our, our last questions um, for our interview today, and I'm so appreciative of you taking the time to be here and coming to the matter. And I think this is this conversation is definitely one that um, really speaks to the heart of what's you know in our environment today, our current situation today in the world. Of uh, as we look at you know things is changing. There's uh, as uh, social media, internet is more open, information is more open. Um, sometimes we can share our feelings in different ways and realizing that, um, you know, I think at the end of the day, it's about uh, humanity and how do we 
how do we talk about it? How do we appropriate it in a way that, um, like, you know, if we talk about our cultures, we also now going back to understanding and realizing that, you know, as humans, we are once, you know, kind of categorized in different ways. And we still have all this, you know, still here, especially here in the United States, we still have the racial mm -hmm. issues that we're faced with. But um, mm -hmm. how can we address historical injustice? Because again, uh, at the really pivotal time uh, we it's important to understand history so that history cannot be repeated um, uh, so how can we address this historical injustice without legitimizing racial racist thinking mm, yeah, yeah I think that's a real good question um, I think for me uh, a very important uh, word is um a very important word is uh, justice, you know, mm -hmm. um, and to me, justice means, you know, giving voice um, to the voiceless mm -hmm. um, and uh, giving them the uh, attention they deserve. And so that's kind of like personally how I how I viewed it. Um, and uh, I think working together and sharing knowledge uh, amongst ourselves. Uh, and that is a, a way uh, that we can be able to um uh empower you know yeah. each other you know to me as we we all know that knowledge is power and mm -hmm. so for me um when our communities in the pacific uh know that these uh, human remains from their countries mm -hmm. uh, are in europe um mm -hmm. we are actually empowering them you know we're giving them uh, our people here to tell them, hey, you have your ancestors in Europe and this is what we're doing together. We are going to bring them home and we won't do it alone. Uh, we will work with uh, uh, each other, with our fellows from Samoa, from Papua New Guinea, uh, from Palau and from Aotearoa to work together uh, and bring them home um, together. So I think that's kind of a, something that is unique for us indigenous people that, um, you know, we belong to a group of people that share the load, you know, we work uh, yeah. with one another and we do things collectively. Yes. Yeah, that's the Fijian yes. word we use, the sole solebaki. Yeah. Uh, and that's a wonderful way where we share the load and don't give the load just to one person or one tribe, mm -hmm. but we do it together. So to me, that's a, a most uh, proactive way of uh, uh, providing um, a sense of justice for mm -hmm. the injustices that took place you know for mm -hmm. the taking of the human remains in the first place that's a huge injustice it is and i think um the germans in this case have admitted to the fact yeah. that what they did was wrong mm -hmm. and so the process of what we were doing in germany is we're trying to right the wrong yeah. and uh, that's such a wonderful thing you know that we're able to do it together mm -hmm. and um, inform our people that uh, you know uh, your ancestors are in germany uh, or in Europe in general, because many of our remains we found uh, also in Norway, uh, in in Austria, um, Sweden, in in England, in France, uh, and so this project will enable the other museums to also look into the collections mm -hmm. and um, inform us uh, on the human remains that they have in the collection. So so that we we stop. Uh, the taking of human remains from now onwards. Yeah. So I think what we're doing so far is a wonderful thing. Hmm. Well, thank you so much for a very, very enlightening conversation with you, Dr. Teresi. It's been always a pleasure having you on coming to the Madden. Thank you for doing uh, 
just an amazing work for us in the Pacific and also in the academic arena. You are an inspiration to all of us. Vinaka. Yes, Vinaka, Vinaka Vakalevsar, Dr. Meren, appreciate the, uh, the invitation to be here today. Thank you. podcast is created and produced by Melanesian Women Today, a non-profit organization. Please visit our website at www.melanesianwomentoday.org. That is all one word. Melanesian Women Today envisions a Pacific region where every woman, girl, and child in their respective communities in Melanesia lives a productive, healthy, and fulfilling life. We are on a mission to improve the well-being and quality of lives and also to promote and improve leadership in women and girls in their communities. Please consider making a donation today on our website to support our work. Thank you for your support.